Seven ways to maintain productivity while regaining time for rest. Now that I've got your attention, it's time to get to work. It seems like with each passing day, many of us are getting busier and busier and finding it a challenge to find time for quality rest. We know rest is important, but we feel compelled to maintain a particular level of productivity, which can cause us to compromise relaxation and restoration. It's time we proactively change this. Here are seven ways to maintain productivity while regaining time for rest. Number one, write your to-do list at night. It is often the case that many of us write out our to-do list at the top of the day. This is not necessarily a bad thing, and some people watching this may feel strongly about continuing to do so. But writing a to-do list at night comes with a number of benefits. For one, it allows you to take stock of the day that is drawn to a close. While you are capturing your to-dos for the following day, taking stock of the day that just transpired often has a positive effect on our psyche as we are, while thinking about our to-dos for tomorrow, appreciating the accomplishments and wins of the current day. It also gives you some peace of mind before bed, knowing that you're organized for the next day. You know that feeling when you get to prepare your lunch the day before or setting out your gym bag before bed? And when you get up, you're not stressed trying to write down your list of to-dos while the rest of the world is actively reaching out to you to pull your attention away. When doing a to-do list, it's really important to make sure you're capturing your to-do list in a manner that will drive you to be in action. So, for example, when doing a to-do list, you may want to use the following strategy, which I find to be quite helpful. On the left-hand side of your paper or electronic document, write a column of all the tasks that you'll need to focus on under the header to-do. Then create three additional columns with the following headers, doing, done, and people involved. By creating such columns, you'll be able to checkmark the column that's relevant to where you are in the process of completing the task. Note that the column entitled people involved is a really important column in the context of your to-do list. Oftentimes, when we're doing our to-do list, we think we're the only person that has to be involved in completing the task. This is far from the case. By being conscious to the individuals that might participate in the completion of the task by seeing their names in front of us, we're more likely to free up some of our time by asking these individuals to share in the work. Also, if we're working through the columns and a task has doing checked, The visual of someone's name in the people involved column may cause us to reach out for support with completing the task so we can check off the done column. Two additional words of wisdom as asides when it comes to to to-do lists. First, 
it is really important to overestimate the amount of time that a task will take to complete. Far too often, we fall into the habit of underestimating the amount of time that a task will take to get done which causes us to take on more in error as opposed to delegating or asking for more individuals to be involved in the work. Finally, as Mark Twain mentions and Brian Tracy mentions in his best-selling book, Eat That Frog, eat the frog first thing in the morning. What this means is when you're setting out to do your task, complete the worst task first and get it out of the way. This will clear your mind and enable you to get through your remaining tasks much easier. And by writing out your to-do list the evening before, you'll know what frog you'll be having for breakfast bright and early the next day. Number two, get rid of distractions. We often find ourselves working throughout the day with a number of distractions around us. Sometimes these distractions are ones we're aware of, and other times they are distractions that are not so obvious. An obvious distraction that we might be aware of is reacting and looking at the constant notifications that come through our mobile devices, which can directly harm our productivity and how quickly we get a task done. Distractions that may be oblivious may include the way we keep our space organized. Sometimes we set up an environment around us that inadvertently causes distractions. Think about how you might work when you're in an environment that's surrounded by books, such as a library, versus an environment that's surrounded by items that may pull your focus away. If you have an office set up in a bedroom, for example, try turning the desk area away from the bed. Make the closet door closed, and so on. On the topic of app notifications, or keeping our ringers on so that we can hear every phone call or email that comes in, it is important for us to acknowledge that seldom are there emergencies that occur for many of us that we would need to be aware of immediately. If an emergency were actually unfolding in today's world where there are multiple ways to reach out and get in touch with someone, the individual that needs to communicate the emergency to you is very likely to succeed. Be mindful of distractions and how they are adding up and how they are getting in the way of your productivity, which ultimately means getting in the way of the amount of time you have left for rest. Number three, block off time in your schedule for routine activities. Our schedules are so important for us to manage effectively as our schedule and what we prioritize will inform how we go about our day. This then informs what our rest period will look like based on what we prioritize. Let's be good to ourselves for a change and deliberately schedule time for downtime. Perhaps you have blocks of time set aside in your calendar for no meetings. You may want to call it No Meeting Mondays if this makes sense for you, or even Mental Health Mondays, where you set aside part of the day, say the morning, to do work that allows you to organize your thoughts, or perhaps catch up on any correspondence that came through late the week prior or over the weekend. For individuals that manage team members, another hack might be to set aside one hour each week for individuals that need to book some one-on-one time with you. 
Think of it as office hours, which is a common practice for educators to have in place for higher learning, where your team is more likely to book some time during this reoccurring window as opposed to randomly reaching out at a variety of different times, thereby pulling your focus away from getting your to-dos done. It is also prudent for people to block off times for lunch, screen breaks, going for walks, answering emails, etc. By being intentional with how we're using our calendar, we're communicating to ourselves what we must do to be productive while also taking care of our minds, our bodies, and our spirit, while also communicating to others how we wish for them to interface with us, respecting how we allocate our time and what we need to get done. Number four, organize your physical and electronic environments. It is so important that we analyze our physical and electronic work environments, ensuring that they are set up in a way that helps us get work done effectively and efficiently. This is something that we referred to in an earlier part of this list, but it really deserves a section onto itself. With respect to our physical space, The more organized and streamlined our space, the more productive we'll be. This leads to us getting things done more quickly, thereby freeing up our time. For example, if we have an organized workspace, we know exactly where to find what we need no matter the problem that surfaces, whether that's a highlighter, whiteout, a post-it note, etc., allowing us to spend time focused on getting the work done as opposed to pinpointing the tools, resources, and accessories we need to aid in completing the work. It's no different from when you need to leave the house. There are certain items that we need, such as our keys, and some are not organized in terms of where they leave keys, causing them to waste time searching for them at the time that they need to leave their home. By putting things in the same space and by keeping your physical space organized, you enable yourself to be on autopilot for those things that you should be on autopilot for. It cannot be overstated how important it is to have a clean, organized, and streamlined electronic environment as well. This includes having folders that are named in a way that keeps us almost instantaneously aware of what is enclosed inside folders that allows us to do our work with ease and speed. Even developing a naming system for files so that we're constantly aware of the context enclosed in documents. So for example, if we have multiple versions of a document, we may want to name the document based on the version number is advisable. Finally, it's becoming increasingly useful to be as organized as possible on our mobile devices. We spend so much time on our mobile devices these days that it's helpful to be able to access information on our phones without having to spend unnecessary time locating where we might have the information stored and where. Instead of having 40 apps randomly sprawled on your phone's interface, consider saving them in folders based on themes. Also, consider where you're positioned these folders on your phone itself. A folder that you access frequently, you might want to have in a position that your eyes or fingers are easily drawn to. Finally, if you're not good at organizing your physical space and or electronic space, pinpoint a friend or loved one 
who is good at this kind of stuff and get them to assist you with this organization and streamlining. You may even want to take this a step further and hire someone known for being very good at this type of work. You will thank yourself later for undergoing this process. Number five, get comfortable with saying no more. This is not to say that you'll become someone who says no to everything that someone asks of you. Clearly, as someone working in partnership with others, for someone doing work on behalf of or alongside clients, you'll need to know when duty calls and when you'll need to figure out how you'll come through on finishing tasks, projects, or activities that they would like for you to be involved with. Having said this, you want to be mindful of not becoming someone who says yes to too much. You need to come up with a framework that will allow you to have some boundaries. A good way to determine whether or not something that's asked of you warrants a no in response is the following. Take a look at your to-do list or reflect on the volume that's keeping you busy. And then ask yourself if the task being asked of you will take a short amount of time or a long amount of time. Often, a task may take a longer period of time to complete if the manner in which to get the task done will be process heavy. To know if a task is process heavy, ask deliberate questions around who needs to be involved in order to get the task done. Also, always ask when something needs to be done by. If the timing is unrealistic based on the amount you have on your plate, respectfully share that you don't have the capacity to be involved or that you require additional resources in order to deliver. Number six, do we really need a meeting for that? It seems these days more and more, we find ourselves participating in one too many meetings throughout the workday. While meetings are important, we have to ask ourselves if we're organizing one too many of them. Meetings are seen as important for collaboration, ideation, making decisions, and determining next steps. But for many people, is it time that we flip the amount of time that we spend in meetings with the amount of time we allocate for getting actual work done? So for example, if a meeting is booked for an hour, can the meeting be winnowed down to 15 minutes in some way, leaving 45 minutes to do the actual work? There are all sorts of ways to cut down meeting times. Politicians, for example, often have little time throughout the workday and need to be briefed in a matter of minutes. Perhaps everyone that needs to share in a meeting is given a few minutes to do so and focuses more on getting questions answered and gets agreement on next steps. Similar to writing, when we're given a certain number of words to stay within and we find ourselves being very mindful of the most important words to keep, so too can we be this way in meetings, concise, focused, and bringing forward the most pertinent items if we embed this into the framework of some of our meetings. Number seven, encourage those with whom you work closest to adopt these frameworks as well. This is perhaps the most critical piece of advice on the list and is likely the most self-explanatory. We rarely find ourselves working in isolation these days. We're working in partnership with other people. Given this reality, we need to collectively agree on frameworks to work within to ensure our productivity is maintained 
while the extent of our downtime and rest increases. If everyone on a team can develop a shared understanding around what approaches allow for productivity and greater amounts of you time, the better life will be for all.